And Lord, we ask that you'd move now as we open up your word. We love the scriptures. Thank you for what Josie shared earlier, and it's so true. Your power is released in our lives as we open up the scriptures and read and pray and believe. And Lord, do that now, I pray. I'm sure some of us are feeling very weak. Some of us are feeling confused. Some of us are feeling discouraged. Lord, there's all kinds of different needs here. And your word by the Spirit through Jesus Christ can touch every single need that's here. So we ask that you'd come and do a mighty work. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as I was thinking about the passage this morning, um, it dawned on me that sometimes God's commands, like think about the Sermon on the Mount or Paul's epistles or Ten Commandments, sometimes God's commands can feel like impossible to obey. Anybody can relate to that? Sometimes they feel impossible. And that's why in the Bible, God doesn't just give us commands. He also gives us examples of people who he has empowered to obey, people who he has enabled to obey, so that we can read about these people like Abraham and Ruth and Paul. We can read about how God has enabled and God has empowered them to obey because that's what God will do in us as well. That's why God gives us examples in the Bible. Here's how it works. Um, I thought of this illustration. There's a, a mountain bike trail near my house. Okay, I love to ride a mountain bike when I can. And uh, there's this very steep trail. Some of you have actually ridden this. We went on one a few years back. Very steep trail with lots of switchbacks. And for a long time, I just thought, well, whenever I ride that, I've just got to stop like five or six times on the way up because it's just, you know, nobody can make it all the way up without stopping. It's just impossible. And then I met this guy named Mark. And uh, he's a mountain bike rider. And we were talking about that trail. And I said, man, I could just never make it to the top. He goes, oh, it can be done. I, I can do it. And he says, you just, you just got to, I mean, it's not easy, but you just got to accelerate through the turns and then just keep going. And so we went on a mountain bike ride. And then, and then he said, show me. He says, watch me. And so he went ahead and powered through the turns. And he made it all the way to the top. And so I could see that it was possible to do. And, and see, that's why God gives us examples. So we can read about these men and women who are in themselves as weak as we are, but God gives us examples of how he enables them to obey, how how he empowers them to obey, so that we'll see it's possible. It's possible. Look at what God did in that weak person and in that weak person and in that weak person. It's possible. And that's what God is doing or what Paul is doing in this next passage in Philippians. So let's turn to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 18 this morning. Now, if you need a Bible, we want to make sure you have one. So raise your hands. We can bring one to you. Again, just like Josie shared this morning, you want to have the Bible open in front of you because the gospel is the power of God for salvation. He will meet you as you open up his word and read with faith. He will meet you. So Philippians 1 is on page 980 in the Bibles we're passing out. Now, a little bit of background on the book of Philippians. We call it a book, but it's a letter which Paul wrote while he was in prison in Rome. So there's Paul in prison in Rome, and he writes this letter to a church that he had planted about 12 years before. So he wrote this about A.D. 62, planted the church in Philippi about A.D. 50, and now he's writing this letter to them. 
And uh, we're going through this section by section, trying to track with the author's train of thought. In fact, on the back of your uh, handout, I, I put a little, little arcing so you can kind of see what I think the train of thought is, but we won't be going through that in detail this morning. But if, that, if you find that helpful, read it. If you don't find that helpful, ignore it, okay? But I know some of you find that helpful. But everything in chapter 1 is leading to the commands that he gives in verses 27 and 28. So everything is leading towards that. And so let's read those two verses so we can be reminded of where this first chapter is going. Verse 27 and 28, here's what Paul says. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Okay, so Paul's main concern is that they would live in unity together and that they would not be fearful in sharing the gospel. And so in verses 12 through 26, what Paul does is he explains how he lives in unity with people and how he boldly shares the gospel so they can see how God will empower them also to live in unity and how God will empower them also to boldly and fearlessly share the gospel. So this whole section of example here, and today we're going to focus on the examples Paul gives in verses 12 through 18. There's three of them. So let's read verses 12 through 18, then we'll do the next section of examples in verses 19 through uh, 26, Lord willing, next week. So look at verses 12 through 18. This is where we will focus today. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, okay, this is a generic word in the Bible, brothers and sisters, he's talking about the, the church in Rome. Most of the brothers here in Rome, part of the church and sisters, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice Yes, and I will rejoice. Powerful passage here. So here Paul is talking about what happened in Rome as Paul was in prison. He's in prison in Rome, and he talks about what happened in Rome as he was there. And again, his point is to give three examples which will help his readers see. He gives three examples of his own obedience to Christ, so his readers will see how God will also enable them to be obedient to Christ. So three examples. First is this, verses 12 and 13. Paul describes how he has boldly shared the gospel. Okay, read verses 12 and 13 again. 
I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, his imprisonment, has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of the soldiers, is what he's talking about, that my imprisonment is for Christ. Okay, so Paul is in prison in Rome. Why is he in prison? Because when he was in Jerusalem, he was telling people about Jesus Christ. And he was arrested in Jerusalem for doing that. And then he appealed his case to Caesar, which is why when a Roman citizen appeals to Caesar, he gets taken to Rome and he's tried before Caesar. So that's why Paul is in prison in Rome. Now, if you're in prison in Rome for this kind of situation, you'd be chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. So he's, he's, Paul's in chains, and he's chained to a Roman soldier. They would rotate. The soldiers would rotate. Paul wouldn't get a chance to rotate, but they would rotate in and out. But so Paul's there chained to this Roman soldier for 24 hours a day. And we see from the rest of this book where Paul alludes to the fact that he knows he may lose his life soon, that he understands his trial may result in him being uh, sentenced to death for telling people about, about Jesus Christ. Okay, so put yourself in Paul's shoes. What would you do okay, if you were in prison for telling people about Jesus and you're chained to a guard 24 hours a day and you're facing a trial for telling people about Jesus and you may be put to death for telling people about Jesus? What would you do if you were, if you were Paul? You know what Paul did? He told the soldier next to him about Jesus. That's what Paul did. He told the soldiers who brought him food about Jesus. He told all the soldiers he possibly could about Jesus, so much so that you can read in verse 13, the whole imperial guard and all the rest of the soldiers knew that he was in prison for the sake of Jesus Christ. Now see, this is fearless boldness, Mercy Hill Church. Do you feel this? He was in prison for telling people about Jesus. He was going to be tried for telling people about Jesus. He could very possibly be killed for telling people about Jesus. So he he tells people about Jesus. That's what he does. And again, why is he doing this? It's because he wants to give us an example of what God can do in people. Now, this is so crucial. I, I thought of this illustration. We all tend to think that we're, just, we're, kind of, we're weak spiritually. I mean, I know I look at my life, it's like pathetic so often, you know, and, and, and probably we all feel that way sometimes. Okay, so, so here we are feeling weak and pathetic. And then we read an example like this and we see, and we see Paul. Paul's like this, right? Okay. Here we are, weak and pathetic, and here's Paul like this. And we're thinking, I'm weak and pathetic, okay? What a, what a poor excuse for a Christian I am. Look at this guy. He's awesome. I hate reading these examples, you know? Okay, but we, we, we've got to get the full story. See, Paul started off weak and pathetic, right? And Paul says, we're going to read this in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, so here's weak and pathetic Paul. And, and, and Paul turned to Jesus and said, help me, strengthen me. And Paul opened up the word of God and meditated on the scriptures and prayed and said, give me boldness, give me fearlessness. And as he's calling out to Jesus, trusting in Jesus, weak, pathetic Paul, all of a sudden, all of a sudden like, yes! Okay? And so if we're over here feeling weak and pathetic, and we see Paul like this, we should not be discouraged thinking, gosh, I'm just such a poor excuse for a Christian. It's like, that could be me. That's what you should be hearing now. 
this could be you. You and me. This could be us. That's why God gives us examples. This is what God's grace through Jesus Christ can do in people. Look at what you can become through Christ. I don't sense you're believing me here. This is all these like stunned expressions. This is the truth. You know it's true, don't you? It is totally true. And that's why God gives us this example here. So, so here's Paul telling people about Jesus. And that's why he wants to tell us about his example so that we can see what God can do through us by means of Jesus Christ and his, his grace and his power. Okay, now, I want to just drill a little bit deeper into, into Paul's heart here. Paul knew very clearly that telling these soldiers about Jesus could cost him his life. Okay, so let's not pretend that it didn't. He, he knew exactly that's what this could mean. This could be my death sentence, this conversation with this guy next to me right now. Why did he do it? How did God work in his heart to take him from, you know, weak to, to being strong? How, how did that happen? And I think of at least two things. One is God gave him love for these soldiers. Because Paul knew these soldiers were going to face eternal suffering if they don't hear that their sins can be forgiven through Jesus Christ and put their trust in Christ. Look at this man next to me, hard soldier. He's, he's going he's to face hell unless he hears about Jesus. Sir, can, can I share something with you, okay? right? So love is, is part of what stirred Paul. And then also the fact that his joy was in knowing Jesus Christ. Again, that wasn't automatic to Paul. He had to fight for that. But, but he had times where, where Jesus so poured the Spirit into his heart and made Christ's glory and love and presence real in a felt way that, that Paul was just filled with joy in knowing Jesus Christ. He knew joy in Christ like nothing else gave to him joy. And because he knew that death would just bring him more of Christ, he realized that he had absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. Right? He, he loved the soldier who's going to face God's judgment. And if he died, he was going to be with Christ, which is better, he says, for me to live as Christ, die as gain. We'll see that in a few weeks. And so Paul saw he had nothing to lose and everything to gain. That, that's how Jesus Christ transformed Paul from being weak and fearful to being strong, is as, as Paul prayed and opened up the scriptures and said, meet me, show yourself to me, strengthen me. And the Holy Spirit helped him to see who Jesus Christ is more clearly and to feel who Jesus Christ is more clearly. So his heart's filled, he loves this man, and he's fearless at at the face of death. That's how it works. And that moves us from being weak and and beggarly to being being strong. That's how it happens. And again, so the reason Paul shares this example with the church at Philippi is because he wants them to see what God can do in them. And the reason that the Holy Spirit had Paul write this and preserve this letter so we could read it here 2,000 years later is so that we can see what God can do in us. God can do this in you. And he will do this in you as we seek him and pray and ask for his help. So that's the first example. Second example, verse 14. Paul describes how his, his example helped the Roman believers share the gospel more boldly. So I think that maybe Paul was anticipating an objection coming from uh, the, the believers of the church in Philippi. It's like, well, Paul, I understand. You know, Paul, you're an apostle. 
Okay, all apostles are fearless, just automatically, right? You got that fearless gene in you or something, right? You're an apostle. I mean, you're just like way up there spiritually. We're not apostles. Okay, so go get them, Paul, all right? Ra, do it. And so Paul shares the second example, how his example helped the Roman believers who were not apostles share the gospel more boldly. Look at what he says in verse 14. And most of the brothers... Again, that's a generic term, brothers and sisters here. Most of the church in Rome, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Okay, so he's talking about the whole church in Rome. Most of them became more bold because of Paul's example. Okay, so, so how did Paul's imprisonment stir them to become more bold? I think it's exactly like what I experienced with my friend, the mountain bike rider, right? I didn't think that trail could be ridden to the top. And then he told me that it could be done, and, and I saw him do it. I thought, that's awesome, it could be done. And then I tried it, and, and I was able to do it, okay? Just seeing that it could be done was a huge part of the process. And this isn't just some kind of a psychological therapeutic tool here. We're talking about the grace of God, about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, who can totally change our lives and our hearts. So we're seeing a life, Paul's life, transformed. And now not just Paul's life, but most of the believers who were part of the church in Rome became bold by looking at Paul's example. Most of them were transformed by Paul's example. So it's not just the apostles. It's everyday ordinary believers, just like you and just like me. That's how it works. And again, the reason that Paul then writes this to the church at Philippi So he writes about what happened to the church at Rome because he wants the church at Philippi to read about that. So they'll say, that can happen to us as well. That can take place in in us as well. And Paul would want the same thing to happen in our hearts also. This is how much God's power had enabled the church of Rome to become bold. Could Paul write of us that most of us are emboldened to share the gospel? I don't know. I know many of us are. Are most of us? I know we're praying about it. I know we're talking about it in our home groups. So think about how this would have happened then with the the church in Philippi. Okay, so here they are, and they, they hear about Paul's example of boldness as he was in prison, risking his life to talk to people about Jesus. And then they see, they heard about the church at Rome being transformed. And so what, what the church at Philippi then What Paul intended them to do is to come before the Lord Jesus and say, help me, help us, pour out your spirit upon us, free us from love of earthly comfort so much so that you really would be our joy. And so that really I could say to live as Christ, to die is to gain more of Christ, and that would be awesome. I was just praying about this this morning, and I mean, my heart is so tied to earthly things earthly comforts, earthly securities, earthly joys. But the Lord can do this in me just like he did it in Paul and like he did it in the church at Rome. And he can do this in you as well. He can so give you a taste of Christ that you truly say, you're better than anything around here. Not just because I'm supposed to believe that, but I'm feeling it. You are better than anything here. To me to live is Christ. I'm going to keep boldly sharing the gospel. If I go home, it's gain time. That's how it works. And so that's what Paul wanted to have happen in the church at Philippi.
And that's what he wants to have happen in us. Not just an apostle who's transformed, but everyday, ordinary believers. Now, do you see the power of the example here? This is how it works. Now, there's, there's one more example he shares about. Different direction, though. And this example is because, remember, we, from uh, verses 27 and 28, there were two concerns Paul had. One was that they would not be fearful as they shared the gospel with people. But the other one was that they would live in unity. It sounds like there were some divisions cropping up in the church, which is why he emphasizes, be of one mind, one spirit, church. Be of one mind now. And we'll see in chapter 4, verse 1, about two women who particularly were having a squabble. And, but there were other squabbles, it seems like, going on as well. And so this example has to do with living in unity. And here Paul describes how joy in Christ helped him not take hurts personally. Some of you, I would guess, are taking hurts personally. There's maybe somebody here in this room, somebody in your home group, uh, who has unintentionally or maybe intentionally hurt you. And you've become bitter about it. And you've become angry about it. And maybe you've talked to some other people about it and just kind of pull people to your side and pull them away from them. And then the, the, the bitterness grows and the division grows and... It dishonors Christ when his people, who have such a treasure, should just join us together no matter what we do to each other. But when that treasure is not enough, when we separate over other minor things. So that's what Paul's talking about here. Verses 15 to 18. He has said that his example stirred most of the believers in Rome to, to share the gospel with their friends more boldly. But tragically, not all of them were doing this from good motives. It's a very sad passage to read, except for the last verse. But look at verses 15 through 18. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. How can you do that? We can do it. But others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love. Goodwill out of love knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. They want to encourage me. They want to strengthen me by by advancing the gospel. But the former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Okay, now how would this have afflicted Paul? So they're out there sharing the gospel with their neighbor, thinking, this is going to afflict Paul. Okay, they're sharing with, hey, let's go out to lunch, guy at work, and let me tell you about the Lord Jesus, what he's done. This is going to afflict Paul. Can you feel how ugly that is? So how would sharing about the gospel of afflicted, do you see that's what Paul's saying, right? That's a, it's hard to understand what he's, how that could happen, but that's exactly what he says these guys were doing. And they were preaching Christ. It wasn't like they were false teachers. They were preaching Christ, but from ugly, ugly Motives And commentators have a couple different ideas. The one that most of them tend to lean towards is that, as you know, Paul was very well known um, amongst the Christian, amongst Christian circles in Rome. Very well known. Uh, His letters and his ministry and and the fact that, you know, famous Jewish scholars converted to to, to follow Jesus Christ. So Paul was very well known. And it seems that some of the, of the, of the guys in the church in Rome were jealous of Paul. They're just jealous. Just flat out, ugly, hateful, jealous, okay? 
And you know, jealousy, we've all felt it. It's just ugly and hateful, right? And it can make you do horrible things like preaching the gospel to your neighbor so that it afflicts Paul. Now, how would preaching the gospel to a neighbor have afflicted Paul? They must have thought, you know, Paul's so well-known. He loves how well-known he is. I'm going to preach the gospel to more people. I'm going to share the gospel with my neighbor. I'm going to, I'm going to start to get a name for myself. I'm going, to, I'm going to lift myself up a little bit. Meanwhile, Paul's like in prison. He can't be preaching the gospel there. He can't be advancing his notoriety. So we're going to bring him down a few notches. God's already done that, it seems like. I'm going to get a few notches up. Paul's going to be fuming in there. Duh! I mean, you can feel how hateful that is. It almost feels like, that's stupid. Nobody would say that. I haven't said that, but I've thought things as ugly as that. And you have too. Okay? So I think that's what's going on here in this passage. So how did Paul respond? I mean, there you are. You're chained to a soldier. You're in prison. You could die because of your faithful witness to Jesus Christ. And then Timothy comes and says, Paul, a lot of the believers in Rome, they're more bold by what you're doing here. But Paul, we've got to pray. Some of the brothers are preaching to, to upset you. They think that you're going to be jealous of, of, of their success in ministry because you're cooped up here. And, and you could just see Paul's face just drop with concern for them and their souls. Oh, Father, Timothy, let's pray for these brothers. And they would pray. So Paul would not respond with anger or bitterness, or he didn't respond with anger or bitterness. How did he respond? Look at verse 18. Here's how he responded to these brothers trying to afflict him. He says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. So Timothy tells him, some brothers are are jealous and envious, and Paul, it's ugly, but they're trying to, to afflict you. And, and Paul would be concerned, say, Timothy, let's pray for them, that God would convict them, that they would stop that. And, and so they would pray. And then Paul would, would take his heart to the Lord and say, Oh, Father, forgive them and fill me. I don't want to respond with hurt or bitterness. It's so wrong what they're doing. But Father, satisfy me. Jesus, strengthen me here. Help me. Fill me. Humble me. Oh, you're doing that. You are glorious. What a friend you are. What a savior you are. And you're being preached to people. All right. I rejoice. See how that would work? And so Paul wants to give himself as an example of what God can do in helping Paul and us not take hurts personally. That's what he's talking about. And the reason that Paul does that again. And so we'll see not just how great Paul was by God's grace, but we'll see what God can do in us by his grace. And this theme of rejoicing in the Lord, as we will see it unfold throughout the book of Philippians, that is the key to living in unity with other people, other other believers. Whenever you see believers with divisions, joy in the Lord is gone. And when your heart is filled with the joy, the beauty, the majesty, the power, the kindness, the mercy, the death, the resurrection, the coming again of Jesus Christ, when your heart is filled with Jesus Christ, you will be able to love and forgive no matter what anyone does to you. Now, these brothers needed, needed a talking to. 
right? And if Paul was out of prison, he would have been, <clears throat> can, we, can we have coffee at Starbucks? We need, we need to talk. Maybe I'm wrong, and I hope I am, but this is what I've heard. Is that what's going on? So these brothers needed to talk to, but that wasn't Paul's point here with the church at Philippi. He didn't need to go into that with them. Paul's point with them was, here's how you can live in unity no matter what anybody else does to you. Not because of how strong and spiritual Paul is, but because of what God's grace can do in Paul and in all of us. Okay, now, what questions does this raise? Am I, am I understanding this passage rightly? Does it, does it make sense to you? Anything I said that's puzzling or confusing or that you aren't sure is, is biblical or right? We, we're a body here. We've got the scriptures in front of us. My main goal is to have you learn the scriptures, not, not hear what I've got to say per se. I want to introduce you to the book. So what, what questions has this stirred in your mind or your heart? Are you all still in disbelief about what God's grace can do in us? Natasha. Thanks, Steve. Yes. And so I think part of it too is for some people looking at the word, of course that's what we need to do. But then also we need to be praying that the right people and the wise counsel of people existing today can be in our lives when we're going through those times. Yes. To encourage us. That we can what? And that we can be that to others. That we can be that to others as well. Yes. So, So when we're struggling, we need brothers and sisters around us to pray for us, to encourage us, to give us wise counsel. And when others are going through trials, we can do that for them as well. So true. Thank you. Right on the money. Josie. That's a good question. Let's open it up to everybody. What? I love your questions. What? What happens when when you're the jealous one? Are you going to answer that question, ma'am? Go ahead. Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. Yes. Yes. Good. Beautiful. Refiner's Fire, the song goes, uh, Purify my heart. It's a prayer. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold, pure gold. Refiner's Fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. Right? And so to pray and to, and to, and to confess our sin to the Lord and to ask him to to cleanse us, which he will through Jesus Christ, his blood, his righteousness. We come by faith alone, and we we can be completely assured of forgiveness for that. And then uh, what I do is I try to 
See, I think uh, all obedience flows from trust, trusting Christ and his promises. And when I'm not obeying in some areas, it's because I'm not trusting one of his promises. And so I will try to think and pray through, maybe talk to Jan, talk to some brothers. You know, what am I not trusting here? And I'll find scriptures that, that speak to my heart unbelief. And I'll pray over those promises until the Holy Spirit helps me to understand it and even give me a heart assurance and conviction of its truth. And I feel like I meet Jesus in it. And when he does that and strengthens me and I'm trusting again, then envy will diminish in me. That's what I've experienced. Does that make sense? Josh. One more thought. Um, And this is at least true for me. Um, Even sharing the gospel, I often have mixed motives. I mean, it seems really hard just to have only good motives. Yes, um, yes. Like, like, for instance, I, I know I've shared the gospel not only because I want people to know about Christ, but because I want to prove them wrong yeah. <laughs> about something. And I put that inside and, uh-huh, and uh-huh. thought about it as I was sharing the gospel. But I just encourage like Josie and, and the rest of us still share the gospel. Yeah, yes, oh yes. And doing these things, because I, I don't think we're, we're really capable right now of having an entirely 100% pure motive for any good work. Yes. It's all, you know, it's all tied up in mm-hmm. our, our flesh still. So wise, but, yes. Um, yeah, that's my So wise, yes. So don't wait until your motives are perfectly pure before you share the gospel, because that you won't obey until heaven. Then, that okay? That's that's what that's what it'll mean. And it's one other thing too. And then we'll get some other these hands here. And that is, I put a lot of emphasis on what God's grace does in us, and I don't want to take any emphasis off of that. But that does not mean that we are passive in the process. And you may need to step out and talk to your neighbor before your heart is fully engaged. It's like you're, it's like I'm totally bold now, and all my fear is gone. Don't. Don't wait for that, okay? Um, but you will, you'll experience the Holy Spirit start to work and then obey. Okay, so JP, I saw your hand up. Right here. Um, C.S. Lewis has a really great quote. Mm. Um, he says, uh, it's not so much that we need to feel love for somebody, but that we need to act with love towards somebody. And the feeling will, will end up following. <laughs> so you're talking about sitting in Scripture. You're talking about something you're struggling with. Um, my dad actually just... Uh, bookmark something on our Bible app this morning. Mm. Um, and it's First uh, John 3, 16 through 18. It says, By this we know love, that you lay down our life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Mm. And Good. There's, there's also the, uh, the thing in James 2 where he's talking about Yes. That, um, if you're concerned about that, the <coughs> meditating on this and, and, and reminding yourself, because that's 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 what I do when I need. That, that's how the Lord works on me. Is He doesn't let me forget the truth of things until my stubbornness finally caves mm. in. Actually, doing what He's telling me to do. That's encouraging. Right on. We're all with you, man. Thank you. And then there was one other, Mike.
He doesn't address it in this letter, but you addressed it as that there needs to be a correction. Yeah. And if I live my Christian life thinking first, I'm not going to go off the rails. Mm. And then second, if I'm afraid of being corrected, mm. those two things are going to stifle me. Yes. The other thing that I was thinking is that if the people in Rome, if Paul hadn't written them, they, well, let me back up. When trials and things like this happen, my natural instinct is to hide it. Mm-hmm. I want to hide it. Mm-hmm. One is I don't like the attention put on me. But others, you know, I'm a, there's this thought in me that says I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be going through bad times or bad things. I should have this faith that transcends in all circumstances. And I can't let other people know that I'm hurting. Mm-hmm. Be them believers or not. Mm-hmm. There's, and I know that's a false belief. But what this letter is showing us so far is that Paul doesn't even address it. We didn't know how they were going to respond to that. That's right. And their response to me is completely counterintuitive to what I would have thought. Mm-hmm. I would not have been strengthened by knowing he's in prison. I would be thinking, oh, man, I'm next. Mm. <laughs> Produces fear. If I keep doing this, look at what's going to happen. Mm. And uh, that, that's powerful to know that i got to take my hands. My job is to let the community know, here's where I am. Yes. what's going on. And take my hands off how they respond. Good, good. So, in other words, if you're going through a trial, don't say, I'm not going to share this with my brothers and sisters because it could discourage them. Right? Don't say that. That's right. I'm hurting. That's right. And God will use that to encourage them. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, or whatever. Right. Well, that's his intention anyway. That's right. It's not wrong to share it. Yeah. Thank you. Good words. Good words. Okay, let's stand together. I want to pray this passage over us. So Paul's kind of pinpointing two areas here. One is uh, lack of boldness in telling people about Jesus. Uh, And I'm I'm going to pray in a moment that the Holy Spirit will stir you if that's what... In fact, he's probably already, already quickening your heart about that. The other area, though, is is how joy in Christ can enable us not to take hurts personally. And, um, and some of you maybe are, are, are bearing a grudge against someone and are bitter towards someone, and the Lord wants to meet you. Now again, this isn't about you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. This is about us coming before Jesus Christ and saying, I am weak and I am needy, but you have grace and power. Forgive me and change me and help me and pressing in with the word and with prayer, and he will change you. He will do what he's done in Paul, and he will do what he's done in the believers that are there in Rome, the good ones. He will do the same in us. So, Lord, I pray that you would increase the work of your Spirit upon us right now. Some of us need to take seriously our lack of boldness in sharing the gospel. Some of us, I would guess, haven't shared the gospel with anybody for a long time. And, uh, Lord... Help us, convict us, give us hope, help us see what you did in Paul, help us see what you did in the church in Rome, and then Lord, help us to trust you, to pray for your help, and to step out and to obey, because you will meet us. And Lord, others of us who 
have hurts that we are clinging to and that we are bitter about. Bring conviction right now, Lord. I pray that maybe this afternoon there could be some phone calls made. There could be forgiveness requested and given. And that any places where there's breaches in the body here, in our unity, that you'd bring healing today about those. Because you can do that by your grace. This is about your grace and your power. You can take the weakest and make them strong. And we get the strength and you get the glory. So, Lord, we pray that you would do that today. In Jesus' name, amen.